Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Life Science Marketing Radio. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different again. So a couple weeks ago, uh, we had a episode where I talked to David Schiffer who's helping me out with some content repurposing and that turned out to be a really popular episode right away and so that gave me a hint that the audience you all looking for some more practical tips on content marketing and uh, not to say that the entire podcast series is going to shift in that direction. I still have some great interviews coming up with some thought leaders, but uh, I thought it'd be nice to have a couple more conversations with David around content marketing and, and it might turn into its own separate podcast, but for now we're going to keep it right here. And so the topic for today is producing content. And I, I know from a recent survey I've done that uh, the people on my list, the thing they struggle with the most is producing content. And I went to a content marketing masterclass from the Content Marketing Institute a couple weeks ago, and Joe Polizzi uh, showed their data from their B2B survey. And 70% of marketers are going to make more content next year than they did last year. And so if that's the case, why shouldn't we be making the most of our efforts? So David, um, I know you have some thoughts around this. Why don't you just let us know what you're thinking? Thanks, Chris. Good to jump back on another call with you. Appreciate the the chance to chat. Always a pleasure. Um, so I think it's amazing. 70% of people are trying to, 70% of, of marketers are trying to ramp up their content efforts and I don't know, in my mind, that always raises the question of why. I mean, is it because everybody else is doing it and you don't want to be in that 30% or, or because you really have a plan? I mean, it's just, you know, we've been, how long have we been talking about content saturation and we're still, we're still adding more at a higher rate. Um, but I, the problem makes sense to me. I see it in my own work with my clients and I see it in my own personal efforts as I try to create content, both for filament and, and for my clients. Um, you know, one of the most common reasons I get calls is because a, a founder or a chief marketing officer, you know, whoever it is at whatever stage company, a lot of times it's just going to be one of the research scientists who's also in charge of some of the marketing efforts. Cause I work with a lot of small companies. They call and say, you know, we're launching this new product, we need some material surrounding it, or we need a blog series, and I don't have time to do it, can you help? So they're doing exactly what you're describing, they're ramping up their content efforts, and they're trying to figure out how to make the most of those efforts. So, um, you know, just from my anecdotal experience, I think this is a huge problem that that people are really challenged by. Yeah, it's interesting. And um, it sounds like you can tell me, I mean, these companies call you up, and it's probably the case, you know, as you say, we're launching something, we need something, right? Yeah. And the, uh, the unspoken part is in a hurry, I imagine. Oh, it's not always unspoken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a call from somebody about three weeks ago and started the project last week. And they said, I said, so what's your timeline? Well, 
can we can we have this out by Christmas? I said, oh, I think so. Let's you know, let's get let's get on it. Yeah. So, and and in that case, then you were, I imagine, you're stuck with making whatever you all can think of in that short window of time. I mean, there takes some time to produce, but it also takes a little bit of time to think about what you should be creating, but maybe not enough time to think about the entire big picture, right? Yeah, that's a really good point. It, it's usually isolated for a specific and, and fairly narrow uh, project. Uh, so in this case, it's it's not a product launch. The product is already out on the market, but it's a new product that hasn't gotten a lot of push yet. And they're trying to, uh, without going into too much detail, they're trying to go off of some, some news and some buzz that they've been able to generate and really kind of maintain that momentum. But you're right. It's not, you know, we're not sitting down and creating an entire 12 month content strategy for, for this, uh, company. Let's just jump into this other observation. So in the, in the CMI survey of the marketers who said they got better at content marketing last year, the interesting thing was the top two reasons were that they are improving the quality or the efficiency of their content production. So the quality of their content got better, that therefore they feel like they are doing content marketing better, or they got more efficient at it. That's That was all in one category. In the other category, was they made some adjustment to their strategy. So you can either, and I think both of those things are important, right? You you have to think about the big picture strategy like we just talked about, but also are there ways you can think about how you create content that will make it easier for you to execute that strategy? Yeah, the improving the quality or efficiency of their content. I mean, some of that honestly is, you know, I, I don't know what's inside the the heads of the survey respondents, but let's be honest, some of that is probably just the fact that people, every year that you create content, you're going to get better at it. That's the whole point of all this. So, you know, I'm a more efficient writer. I'm a more efficient podcaster now than I was a year and a half ago. Um, but within that, there's all kinds of tools coming online and, and, and planning, just simple planning that can, I think, really help uh, improve the efficiency of, of content creation. And something that we've talked about a lot, you and I, both while recording and, and on other phone calls that we've had, is um, thinking about why you want to do something. Is it really necessary or not? And if it's not, then uh, and you, it, if you haven't thought about that and you try to push forward anyway, it's going to be inefficient. It's not going to fit well. It's going to be frustrating. And so, you know, hopefully that's, that suggests from this uh, CMI survey that people are starting to think a little bit more intentionally about it. Yeah. So two points you made there that I really appreciate. First of all, as you do something more and more, you're going to get better at it. I think if you're in a company and you're, you're creating content, there's, there's sort of a standard that you expect for a brochure or whatever. But there are some types of content that are new to people podcasting being one of them, even blogging. And it's hard at first, but as you do it more and more, you see what works and you get better at it and you will never get better without starting. That's, that's one thing. So you just have, I think you have to accept that not to say that you should publish crap content, but you should start doing it, whether you publish it or not, until you start to get comfortable with how you're producing those things. And then the other one is, as you say, thinking about how 
what you're doing fits in with your purpose and why you're doing it. And, you know, I think in many cases, it's true that people are under pressure to create certain pieces of content for certain stakeholders. But if that collection is so diverse that none of it adds up to a meaningful story for one target type of customer, you're not going to see the results you're looking for either. Let's go back to the root cause here, why everyone is creating more content. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I'm always, I'm always a skeptic. So with that caveat, I'm always, you know, wondering about the real motives. And, and that makes me believe that some of this is probably just the rat race. Um, everybody's seeing everybody else writing a blog and, you know, maybe their competitor was putting out a, a nice article once a month and then they went down to two, two a month and now they're doing it weekly. And so we've got to do the same thing. Um, and, you know, maybe that is necessary because we're all still competing for the same SEO real estate on Google. Uh, but, you know, we'll talk about this more and we have talked about, about it. Is it really necessary? Maybe, maybe not. So that's one thing I think that that's pushing people to create more content. Another thing is, there's just more material to talk about. And, and in that case, I think it's a really good thing. So every company is producing new products or new services, and they have something to talk about. We're seeing more and more going on uh, in the world in general that leads people to, to try to get involved. And so just as, a, and as an example of this um, you know, healthcare industry where I spend a little bit of time, there's so much going on with everything surrounding the Affordable Care Act, you know, I mean, we're six years into that and we're still trying to figure it out. And now it's looking like there's going to, there's the potential for massive changes there. Well, on a political standpoint, that's, uh, you know, it's a huge mess. From a content creator standpoint, it's a dream because this means that every healthcare client that I have is thinking about this and thinking about regulation and they all want to take their little slice of it, whether it's something involving HIPAA or reimbursement or whatever. And there's just a constant stream of new ideas that you can create out of that. So, I mean, again, not getting into any of the politics, but sometimes um, bad or confusing or, or strange news in the world can actually be a benefit for, for marketing purposes. And so again, in that case, I think that's, that's good because we all want to have uh, something available publicly that kind of explains how our company approaches whatever this topic may be. And then of course, this is content marketing, right? So we, we fit it into uh, our product. How can our product solve that problem? Right. Yeah. And going back to products, the buying cycle has changed as we all know. And I think that's a large contributor to the massive content being produced because everyone's doing their research online. Now, you have to have content online and you have to keep those people engaged and moving along through your funnel. And, and that's a challenge, but you're right. When you talk about the, for example, the changes in the affordable care act that may show up soon, people are going to have lots and lots of questions um, about what that's going to mean for them. And therefore, content marketers or marketers are going to be busy answering those questions, or at least there's an opportunity there for them to do that. Right. And it's not always going to be directly tied into that company's 
product or service. I mean, in a lot of cases it will be, but if you can just give somebody a new perspective on, on what this means to that, that, uh, industry or that, that niche within the industry, um, as you said, people are doing their research online. They're going to see that they're going to find that and they're going to learn more about you. And then when it comes time for them to uh, start looking for a product or a service that you provide, they're going to be aware of what you have. Right. And that really is, that's the essence of content marketing right there is to yeah, absolutely. provide valuable content unrelated to your product to draw them into your ecosystem, get them into your funnel, interested in what you have to say, your point of view, and then move them along, you know, if they're the right people to buying your product. Yep, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit more about, you know, getting down to making the content. So I think, you know, good content creation, if we're smart about it, makes the most out of existing resources. So you and I came up with an idea for this podcast we already have a plan for how we're going to repurpose this. This is a bit of a teaser because you're going to hear a little bit more about what we're doing with that down the road. And so there's kind of a partnership here between David and I creating this, but also you should be thinking in your own company, who else can you can help you create content? What are your thoughts on that, David? Yeah, well, and I've, Again, this is another point that I've said, you know, in conversations with you, uh, and I, I tell this to clients, um, existing and and prospects. That I think just the biggest thing is any idea that you hear, whether it's from your own brain or somebody else's, needs to be written down or recorded. Uh, and that's kind of the simplest version of of what you're describing here. You know, finding ways to repurpose content and then finding people to help you create content. Um, so a simple example of this is just as I start to write articles for people or for myself, you know, it's not always just sitting down for a two or three hour block and cranking something out. It'll be writing out bullet points, uh, you know, as I think about them in the week, during the week. And then when it comes time to fill those out, well, those are headings that, I, you know, it's a lot easier when you already have several hundred words of just kind of miscellaneous ideas to fit them back together. That's all repurposing is. And so it's just depending on the scale. Uh, if you have a piece of content that's fully polished, you know, what can you do with that um, and, and find other ways to, to take advantage of it? But I think the big things are, again, to be taking advantage of every idea that's out there. And that means really bringing people in. In, in partnerships. So as, as you said, you know, this is a partnership that, that you and I have, um, just essentially all we're doing is, is bouncing ideas around. And we've been talking quite a bit over the last couple of years, um, just exchanging ideas about stuff. We have some common interest. And so that's morphed into this partnership where we've found the ability to, to create hopefully useful content for your audience, um, just by recording these calls and throwing ideas around. Um, but even within your organization, so for, for Marcom managers, uh, people in on that side of the business, you know, make sure you're talking to your R&D scientists, your executives, and taking advantage of all the ideas that they have because that is, that's repurposing. You're just repurposing somebody else's brain and you're engaging other people. Um, you're engaging other people uh, in, in the content creation process. And so you're giving everybody a stake in what your marketing department is, is building. 
Exactly. And uh, yeah, don't forget the salespeople and ideally customers, but writing down all those ideas and getting them in front of you and then maybe brainstorming with your team, you know, like starting with those ideas and what else can you do with them and how do they fit together and hopefully they spark other ideas. I mean, if we're, if we're doing a full-on content strategy, if I'm doing that for someone, you know, the first day is spent figuring out what what questions customers have, for example, and really fleshing out all the things you could be talking about um, from all the topics that just might cross their mind around. So, for example, going back to the Affordable Care Act, for example, um, as something that your product may not fit with, but the people that you are selling to care about that kind of content. And then all the content that you know, now we're getting down when you get to the R&D people, how does your product work and how did they come up with this idea? What's different about it and so on. So, but yeah, writing down all those ideas and keeping them uh, is a great way to make sure you always have something to talk about. Uh, I encourage people to think about it a little bit more strategically about all the things that you should be talking about and then keep track of those ideas and see where they fit in or something sparks a, an angle on something, for example. Yeah. I think that last, that last thing you said is really important. I mean, it, it hits home with me because I'll start thinking about different ideas and just, you know, grabbing them out of thin air and I want to go after whatever's in front of me. I mean, I suffer from a severe case of shiny object syndrome um, and that's not going to help anybody but that doesn't mean those ideas aren't potentially useful. So there's a huge difference between collecting ideas and implementing them. Um, and so once you have a good strategy in place, you can you can compare each of those ideas, as you said, and, and see how it f- if and how it fits in with everything else. And and I guess then on the other side of things, once you do have the content, or even when you do have the ideas, uh, it it comes down to being a ruthless editor. And so being willing to say, no matter how much somebody in your organization really, really wants to talk about whatever, we're talking about Affordable Care Act, so some issue surrounding reimbursement, well, they may love that idea, but if it has nothing to do with with your overall strategy, then you have to say no to it. And you've got to be able to edit things down. I mean, once this we finish recording this call, you're going to go back and, and cut out some of the... the uh, the stammering and the ums and the ahs and the dead space. I mean, you've got to be, you can't just put everything out there uh, free form and, and expect it to, to land well. I love what you said there. Say, knowing what to say no to is the essence of strategy. Yeah. Uh, you can get into a lot of trouble by saying yes to everything. And I've, I've talked about this. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I've certainly, I think I've talked about it in my blog product managers and others will come up with many, many good ideas for a piece of content. Every one of them is valid, but if it doesn't fit into the thing you're trying to do, it's a lot of work for little result. So it's important to think about how all those things fit together. Maybe no doesn't mean no forever. It might mean no for right now. We'll get to that. But it, I, I do think it's important to, to focus your content because it takes a lot of content just to drive home a single story. One more thing on, that's an outlier isn't really helping anybody. Yeah, and, and, and one more thing on that, that that just came to mind is it's important. This may sound obvious, but what the heck? Uh, 
it, you have to make sure that everybody involved understands what that strategy is so that they can understand why you're saying no um, or, or why their idea didn't get implemented. And, you know, it's, it's one thing to call somebody up and say, okay, I need you to write a blog post on this. And, you know, in some cases that may be it. I mean, that's like the parent saying, stop before their kid runs out into the middle of the street. You don't have time to explain why we just need this now, whatever, do it. But in general, I think it's important to let everybody know what the strategy is so that they can kind of have a better feel. Again, this goes back to them having a buy-in, having a stake in, in what's going on. Uh, and, and you're going to get a lot more traction, I think, if everybody is at least aware of what you're trying to do. So, you know, just be be open with the people that you're talking to, whether it's people within your organization uh, or or subcontractors or whoever. Let them know what the, what the goal is, so that they can be thinking about how to frame things uh, for the most impact. Yeah, absolutely. It's that's a great point. I mean, it it may be obvious, but it's it's definitely worth repeating that. It, People need to understand what you're trying to accomplish. So when you say that the thing we're not going to make doesn't fit in with that, it makes sense. And that we're going to, there, there is something on the other side of that that we feel is worth doing. And that's why we're making this choice. Since we're talking about other resources for creating content, I want people to not overlook the power of curating content. So there is a lot of content out in the world. That's And some people would argue that we're contributing to a bigger problem by making more of it. So if you feel that way, or even if you don't feel that way, you can do people a big favor by gathering up content that would be interesting to your audience that other people have written. And then put your spin on it. Package it up. You save them the time of looking at multiple different sources and bring it together and put your point of view on it and use that to build your audience. I mean, there are plenty of great websites that do nothing but curate other people's content in a form that brings together. And curation doesn't mean just collection. It means collection and editing and making sure you're serving up only the very best. Uh, and, and that's where you provide value to your audience. Yeah, there's there there are a number of really impressive examples of this that that I think especially us in the life sciences and healthcare industries can take advantage of. Um, so, so one example of this is Stat News. That's S T A T News, uh, and they're they're a full on journalism outfit. They've got a group um, that rep- does a lot of original reporting as well as curation. They've got a fantastic podcast. Um, but they send out a, a daily digest, oftentimes an afternoon digest, and some of it is original stuff. And as I said, other times it's, it's curated. So they'll highlight different studies from medical journals or things coming out from the government. Um, interesting things, you know, down in Florida, for example, with Zika virus, uh, local news about what's going on there. And they tie it all together in this big picture way. So we can understand, you know, what does Zika mean for the community and, and um, reproductive issues on kind of a personal uh, social level. But then also they tie it back into gene editing because we're looking at modifying mosquitoes with CRISPR in order to, um, in order to combat the, the virus and, you know, things like that. So that's one, one example of, I think what you're talking about, you know, putting kind of their own spin on it. You know, these are examples of really high level curation. They're putting a lot of resources into this, but you know, it can be pretty simple. It can be as simple as just setting up a good, a uh, couple of good Twitter searches so that you, you know, you're alerted to uh, whatever topic that you're interested in. 
I love that idea. And those are, as you say, full-blown media organizations. But of the content marketing people that I follow, so Joe Polizzi, Robert Rose, Brian Clark, they're constantly talking about media and, and essentially becoming a media company within your own company. And you know, they're often even talking about you know, large companies buying media companies to do that. But even a small team can think about it. You don't need to publish at the frequency or the amount and quantity, but you can publish at some frequency. And as you say, setting up the right alerts, Twitter searches can bring that news into your feed and you find what's most relevant, most well-written and interesting and for your audience, there's value there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're right. Another one that I just thought of is SynBioBeta over in the synthetic biology space. They do the same thing where they've got a, a weekly digest that is always beautifully done and they have a combination of original blogging um, and, and they're using primarily uh, undergrads and grad students with a few professional journalists kind of overseeing it. Uh, you know, but essentially interns creating this content and, and curating it. So it, it doesn't have to be uh, a massive full-on journalistic effort like you were describing. Yeah, so that, that, that can be done. Any other thoughts on other sources of content? You know, people are struggling to make a lot. What... Um, well, I think one of the things that, that you've done really well, Chris, is implementing implementing ideas from outside the life sciences industry. And so uh, you know, I'm trying to think of how to tie this in for, for life science marketers specifically, but in your case, you're taking ideas, tools, strategies from people like the Content Marketing Institute and figuring out how those tie back into marketing, um, you know, mass spec devices and, and PCR reagents. So it's not a direct correlation. It's not, a, it's not things that that we would necessarily think about immediately to go out and, and look elsewhere. But you've done that really well, finding, you know, it being able to integrate ideas from slightly outside, you know, our specific industry. So I guess I don't know what this w would look like specifically for somebody. You're going to have to kind of think about it and, and do your own homework, but find ideas that are way out there and, and think about how you can implement them um, and, and new things to try. And, um, so maybe an example of this, again, it's kind of the, the, the far extreme, but in, in working on the project, the podcast repurposing project that you and I have been doing, um, last week I was reviewing the interview you did with Joanna Rudnick from the Linus group and the, uh, documentary filmmaking that she produced for GE, uh, especially the Western blotting and, and that people can go check that out that, that interview as well as the ad. Um, and it, and so it's, it's kind of a, a weird idea, this combination of art and science and nature photography. And I think it's Ireland and, and automated Western blotting, uh, products, but they went out and they figured out this very unique way to approach things and, and found a real tie in between those, those topics to make a really engaging piece of content. So long way of saying, just be willing to try new random strange ideas and um you know ideas for content can come from anywhere as we've already said and the same thing as far as ideas for um how to implement them 
that was a very interesting story and her her film is different than what you would typically see in our industry so i think the linus group did a great job of going out and finding someone like joanna to create that kind of content um other interviewees on the podcast have suggested the very same thing so i think um David Salmon, who um, was at Roche and is now at Abbott, suggested how he's looking outside the life sciences, mostly to tech companies, who um, to look for marketers. Um, Harisi Samartsadu doing the same thing, trying to bring in new skills in content marketing. So there are a number of people in our industry who I think are very forward thinking, who are looking for new kinds of skills and new ideas. And that doesn't mean that people inside the industry can't look outside at what others are doing and make something great happen. Yeah. And, and I guess one other thing um, that I would suggest, you know, I had a, a quick conversation on this uh, the day before we recorded this podcast off the record was, was personal experience and anecdotes. And, you know, so, you may have something that ties in. It may not have anything to do specifically with using that product, but just something that ties into the subject. Um, and, you know, always be looking for those things too, because those are ideas for content and, you know, people love a story and use those personal events uh, as, as ways to kind of introduce a subject. I love it. Well, David, thank you again for joining us on the podcast. I'm looking forward to doing more of these. I want to make sure everybody who enjoyed this gets on the mailing list because in case this podcast moves to another channel, shall we say, or becomes a separate podcast, the best place to make sure you know if that happens is lifesciencemarketingradio.com slash LSMR. And you sign up to the list there, then if something uh, changes or we have some special announcements, which I think you'll be interested in in the future, you will be notified. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again, David. You bet.